everyone. Uh, this is a special, special episode of The Drip. We're going to call it The Driplet. We don't really know why we call it The Driplet, but <laughs> <laughs> we're here in an undisclosed location in a very professional studio recording on some very cool equipment. And today it's just me, Anita Chikatur, and Todd Lawrence, and we're going to spend some time talking about something that happened to Todd a few years ago, and it's like really actually connected to a lot of different things, but also, you know, we're on a podcast about books. We read books and like, you know, reading is like a really essential part of our jobs, but also really an essential part of, I think, how both of us and I would say Crystal too, right? Think of ourselves as like people, as like connected to our communities, as connected to like just the world around us. Um, So we're going to talk about a time when Todd had to kind of relearn how to read as an adult. And to maybe start off the story, I'm going to start with me because, you know, that's me. Um, (laughs) Totally uh, cool. (laughs) So I was in Oaxaca, Mexico in February 2020 uh, on my sabbatical. And I was there, you know, to learn Spanish. And so I was there kind of thinking about you know, actually like learning to try to read in Spanish and kind of think about that. But I get this text from Todd's partner, Lucia, February 6, 2020, saying that Todd's had a small stroke and that he's doing well. And this is like an exact quote from the text. And she said, it hasn't affected him physically, but he is having trouble reading. And I'm like, what? (laughs) First of all, like Todd, stroke, what's happening? Like, you know, it's like really confusing to like figure out what was happening. And, but also I was like, oh, like, what does that even mean? Right. And she was was like, very generous phrasing phrasing of the (laughs) situation. And she also said that like, she was going to basically, if we texted her back, like, you know, or you, you, that she was going to like read you the text because you couldn't like actually read your text. So we're going to spend some time talking about that. Um, and also, I guess, you know, instead of our usual spoiler alert, we just want to say that we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the research we've like informally done around literacy and how to read and how to teach people reading. But neither of us are like experts. So don't take anything we have to say as endorsement of anything in particular, uh, but also like none of what we have to say in terms of like, if we're going to talk about how we learn to read or how people are learning to read, like not a criticism of teachers at all. So this is just like, you know, mostly going to talk about Todd's experiences and like stuff that he maybe did find like resonant, right? In some of the research that he's been reading. Uh, but we just wanted to kind of start with that. But Todd, <laughs> I want to ask you, tell us a little bit about, I guess like February 5th, maybe? It was the 4th, I think, when it happened. So, yeah, start us there. I might not have actually gone to the hospital until the 5th, so... Okay. uh, There are some some details, like, some that happened before the stroke. And what I had was, um, it's called a hemorrhagic stroke, so it's the kind of stroke where you have a loss of blood in a vessel in your brain, Um, not like an obstructive, I forget what the technical term for that, but, like, if there's one, if you have a clot that goes up into your brain and obstructs, but this is, like, where you have... It's almost like an aneurysm, but it's mm-hmm. not like a an aneurysm. I guess there's a bubble in the on the uh, vein or or um, vessel. But anyway, this was just like a little a leak of blood. But anyway, bef- a little yeah. <laughs> so just bef- need a little blood in his brain. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, but before this happened, so there are a couple of things that were going on in my life. I was under a lot of stress, and the main reason I was under a lot of stress was because my favorite football team was in. <laughs> The Super Bowl <laughs> for the first time in a no long comments. time. Yes. And so, but I had also like, I'd done some um, traveling. I think I'd just done a civil rights trip before then at the end of January. When I came back from that trip, the house was broken into. And at the time, Lucia was actually not living in St. Right. Paul. She was living in Canton, New York. She was working out there. And so I was living by myself. And so I come back home after being away for two weeks and that front door is wide open. House is broken into. I'm like, oh my God. And then I had to, I think I then at the end of the next week, I had to go to Las Vegas with my friends for a trip. And so I I was really stressed about getting the house secure and like what's going to happen when I leave again and blah, 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 blah. And then when I came back from the trip, there was the Super Bowl. But also what happened was I had a gas leak in the house. And this was right before, this was probably resolved about the day before the stroke. And, uh, but anyway, basically there was a gas leak in the house, which turned out to be my fault. Like I just left the, <laughs> I just this left. This before the stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I just left the, I left the uh, dial on the stove, like, you know, just slightly on and I just didn't notice it. And, um, but I did notice that like, I don't feel very good and I'm like starting to maybe not, make sense like I had called Lucia and said hey do I sound different or am I making sense and she's like well I mean not right now like why what are you asking me about you know and I was like so we talked we talked and I'm like I think there's something wrong and so I kept looking and I kept looking and then I finally saw that 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 dial was on so I turned that off and then Lucia was like you need to call 
the utilities that come and like do an inspection or something. I was like, nah, I think it's fine. I mean, I opened up all the windows and blah, blah, blah. And uh, like about 10 minutes later, they came to my door. She called them <laughs> from New York. From New York. And they came to the door and they gave me the all clear and everything. So I was like, okay. And then it was that next day, really, that I had the stroke. So, and I, my memory is that it was kind of in the early evening and I just bent down to pick something up or something. And I kind of felt like someone punched me in the back of the head. And then I got a headache. And I was from the beginning sort of convinced that this had something to do with the gas leak. Um, I mean, at first I was like, well, I wonder what, what that was. That was weird. I never felt anything like that. And I just slightly thought, I wonder if I had a stroke. Mm. And I I was in the bathroom, so I, I, I stood up and I looked straight in the mirror. And nothing's wrong. Like they talk about drooping face and like oh, right. weakness like on one side. Um, features, yeah, okay. yeah, nothing like that. Nothing like that. Right. So I don't know. I just kind of went about, you know, keep going about the day. I did have like a dull headache. It was pretty bad, but I mean, I don't know. I guess I didn't think like it was, you know, sort of terrible or anything. It wasn't debilitating. I was still thinking like maybe it had something to do with the gas leak. So after a couple of hours, I sat down at my computer to look up like symptoms from exposure to gas. And I turned the computer on and I'm like, there's something wrong with this screen. And you know, like there's no one there to answer me. So it's just me. <laughs> I'm like, something's wrong with this screen. I, like, no one can confirm it. And I'm looking like it's broken. And what I was seeing was just like scratches, like symbols, nothing like just a bunch of marks. Like lines, like, and I, I mean, think this is the thing that was like I was telling before we started recording. I'm like, I'm also trying to like imagine if I suddenly learned, not learned, but if I suddenly lost the ability to read, like, what would that even like look I, like? Only thing I can, only way I can describe it as it looked like chicken scratches. I mean, it, okay. I could tell there was symbols there, right? But they didn't make any sense to me, mm-hmm. and I, and it was a, it was enough of a kind of mess in my you know cognitively to me that I thought, oh well, the computer screen is broken. Like I just must have dropped it or something's wrong with it that the it's not registering properly. And then I started to realize like, well, maybe it's not. But again, I thought it was about the gas. I, I mean, I just, I was just hooked on this idea right. was about the gas and I was like, but the gas is gone. So it's going to be fine. You know? So, you know what? I had to prep for class and I thought, um, I will, I'll try to read a book, you know, so I got all my stuff like I normally got into bed and I was sort of laying there and I pick up a book and the book's the same. And I'm like, oh, well, this definitely isn't the computer, but maybe I'll just, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to get, you know, it was like, by then it was like eight or something. I was like, I'm going to, you know, my head hurts. This is not working. I'm just going to go to sleep. I'll wake up really early. Everything will be fine. And I'll start prepping. And this is a part of the story. I've heard this before. I'm always like, what? I know it makes no (laughs) sense. You're like, I can't read. And you're like. I'll just go to bed. But I never said that to myself. Like, it never registered to like me, like, I can't read. I, oh, it was just like, okay. something's just sort of messed up with my brain because of the gas, and it'll be fine as, in the morning as soon as it clears out, you know? Oh, I don't know. That's just the way I was thinking. And, and I was yelling at at this point. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you didn't go to the doctor. Um, but okay, but it gets worse. Keep going. I don't believe, uh, you, I mean, you'd have to check with Lucia, but I don't believe that I uh, talked to her that night. I think okay. I went to bed early and then I woke up about six or something and the book was like on the side of the bed. I pick it up and I can't read it. Okay. And I thought, huh, well, this is, this is a problem. And so I, I, in that calm tone. Yeah. Yeah. I was still pretty calm about it. I mean like, what? And I, I texted, um, Andy Leet, who's our assistant in the English department. And I was like, were you able to text him? Oh no, no. I called him. I must've, okay. oh, how did I, I must've called him on the phone. So you could see numbers, names? No. How did I do that? Maybe it's like, do you have like, your, does your phone have like um, voice recognition? Oh yeah, that's what I did. I okay. did voice recognition on my phone. Yeah. Because I, I have his number in my phone. Okay. So I think I said, call Andy. That must be how I did yeah. it. So I, I called him and I was like, hey, I don't feel well and I don't think I can do my classes today. Can you put up some signs for me? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I couldn't type or anything. So right. um, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be back on Friday or whatever. And um so, so I did that. And then I was like, well, I think I just oh need God. to like rest. And the other, the other factor here was, you're going to be so upset with me, <laughs> is that because the uh, Kansas City football team had oh won the Super Bowl, that afternoon they were, the, the parade in Kansas City was going to be on television. And so I did call, I called Lucia 
And I said, you know, I think I'm having a problem. And she's like, well, go to the doctor. Like, Hello? go to the hospital right now. Yes. And I was like, well, you know, like, oh my God. I don't feel that bad. And I think, you know, it's probably the gas and just give it some time. Todd. And she was so <laughs> upset. She called my mom. My mom called me and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. I think I'm having some problems like seeing or something. Oh I'm not God. sure what it is. And she's like, go to the hospital. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. The, the Kansas City is going to have their parade and oh I'm going to watch that parade. And then if when that's over, if I still am having problems, I promise I'll go to the hospital. It's a miracle that Todd is alive today. Yes, this is totally a miracle. Oh, my gosh. So I did watch that oh parade God. on television. Couldn't read any of the captions or any of that stuff. Um, we could see people. I could see people. They were celebrating. They were drinking lots of beer. Oh, my it God. Was a I'm great... not a fan of football to start with. This does not make me any more of a fan. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus. So uh, Lucia had called uh, our friend Kanishka. And um, asked him to take me to, um, we we settled on urgent care. Because I was like, I don't think I need to go to the emergency room. Okay. So we settled on urgent care. But this is like after parade. Yeah, so, so how many hours let's just say that, that the stroke happened, let's say, 5 o'clock the day before. When you first felt the head, yeah. like the head blow. Okay. Yeah, so this is probably 2.30 the next day. Oh, my God. And uh, so um, again, miracle <laughs> that you're alive. Yeah, so I agree. I want to kill you if you weren't alive. <laughs> so I agree to um, go to urgent care. Um, Kanishka comes over and picks me up. I run out the front door and jump in the car with him. And he's like, "Okay, so we're gonna go to urgent care." And I, I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "What's wrong with you?" And I go, "Well, I, I don't know. Like, I I can't read." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> and I go, "Well, I, I can't read." And he goes, "You mean you can't see?" And I go, no, I can see fine. I just can't read. I can see you. Yeah, I can see fine. <laughs> oh my God. I just can't read. And he, and he got this look on his face like, what? Yeah. And so the urgent care is not that far from my house. Okay. So it took maybe less than five minutes to drive there. And we both were sort of like, I told him about the gas. And he and he said, oh, yeah, that's got to oh be the God. gas. <laughs> he actually too. said to me, like, we were sort of like speculating on what they might do. And he said, probably just give you some oxygen and you'll be fine. And I was like, also, yeah. Also, people, oxygen. if you can read right now, please go look up all the symptoms of a gas leak so in case you're having a stroke you won't be like oh maybe it's a gas leak and that's why i can't read all right so that's what we thought i thought i was gonna go to the urgent care get hooked up to oxygen and be fine and so we pull up into the parking lot and we get out of the car and kanishka like we're both walking to the front door and kanishka stops me like he literally puts his arm in front of me and he goes hey what does it say on that door right there and i say i don't know i can't read that and then he looked like he was alarmed. Yeah. So we go in. Luckily, there's no one there. It's very, um, you know, it's in the middle of the afternoon. So I get right in and I go to the, <laughs> I go to the desk and I tell the lady. I can't read. Yeah. She's like, what's your problem? I was like, well, I think I, I've been in a gas leak and I can't read now. And she's like, huh, <laughs> that's interesting. And so that is, in her head, she's thinking, yeah. that's not a symptom yeah, of gas leak. She's like, leaks. this guy's a moron. <laughs> Um, so they sent me to the back, the doctor comes in, I can't, I think his name was Ryan or something, but he was a fairly young person. Anyway, he's, I tell him this whole story about the gas and about, I can't read and, and not surprisingly, he's like, huh? Well, he goes, you know what? I have a friend who's an expert on gas exposure. I'm going to go call him on the phone and see if maybe he's heard of anything like this. So he goes out of the room for a little bit and he comes back in and he says, well, when was the gas leak? I said, well, it was like you know, for a couple of days and it was over, you know, 48 hours ago. And he goes, how long have you been out of the gas leak? I was like, 24 hours. He goes, well, this is not the gas leak. My friend says that could like, you can have some cognitive effect on you from a gas leak, but not as soon as you're out of the gas leak, it should go away. I'm like, okay. So he says, let's, we need to get some blood tests and let's get a scan and luckily at that um urgent care they had like a, a ct a c scan ct scan i think mm -hmm. cat scan mm -hmm. um so they sent me to the cat scan first and this uh there was like an old older lady who came with the wheelchair and put me in the wheelchair and like pushed me to get my cat scan so i go down and i get the get scanned and then she brings me back to the room and then she was like, oh, darn, we were supposed to take you to get a blood test. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, OK. And she's like, well, let me take you back. And at that minute, 
The doctor comes barging through the door and he's like, okay, you're going to the hospital right now. I'll call the ambulance. They'll be here in a second. And I'm like, what's wrong? What are you talking about? And he has the scan in his hand and he goes, do you see this? And I said, yeah. He goes, this is your brain. And I go, okay. And he goes, do you see that? And he points at this like white blob and I go, yeah. And he goes, that's blood. And I go, oh, that's not good, is it? And he's like, no, it isn't. And I thought, so he said, I'm going to the hospital. I'm like, well, my friend Kanishka is sitting out in the waiting room. Could he just take me there? And he's like, no, no, no he can't. Oh my God. I go, well, can I tell him that I have to go to the hospital? And he's like, no, I'll tell him. You're getting on the gurney and going to the hospital. So they like at that point, the medic or the, you know, the um, medics came in, strapped me to the gurney, put me in the back of an ambulance and took me to regions. And they were asking me all these questions. They immediately started pumping like medicine in me. And mm. they're like, who's the president? And who's the blood? And this and that. And, and you could answer all those? Mm, like not that well. Okay. I mean, I didn't. So I hadn't really by myself perceived a, like a cognitive deficit. Yeah. But once they started asking me questions, like they were asking me, you know, who the president was. And I was like, that guy that I don't like, mm. you know, and they're like, eh, more. And I was like, you know, orange hair, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know eventually i would get it that might have been just your brain trying to protect you <laughs> <laughs> could have been so yeah so they you know they started giving me some uh, medicine because my blood pressure was super high okay one thing that i hadn't noticed either right um and so we get to the hospital and <laughs> at the hospital um like you know, they roll me in and they do like on TV where they like do the <laughs> exchange. So they're like, you know, 45 year old, 47 year old black male, blah, 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 presents with blah, 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 blah. And there was, it was also not busy at the emergency room. So there were like lots of doctors like mm -hmm. receiving me in, including a doctor who is the partner of a, of a acquaintance of mine, someone who teaches oh, here at okay. St. Thomas. And he came up to me and he was like, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> I can't read. I, I go, get my gas leak. Yeah, I go, they told me I had a stroke. And he's like, well, do you want me to be in on this? Or like, I can like not be in on it, you know, since we know each other. And I was like, no, I want everybody to be in on it. It's totally <laughs> fine. And so he's like, okay, you're going to be fine. And he sort of pats me on the shoulder. And then um, they put me in a room. And then another younger doctor comes in and he goes, okay, well, you're going to have brain surgery today. So you just need to get ready for that. Damn. And I was like, what? I never had surgery at all in my life. And he's like, well, you're going to have it today. Oh my and I was God. like, oh, geez. And so they- Look, At least I got to see my team win at the parade. <laughs> it was worth it. It oh was totally God. worth it. Um, but then I had like another scan. I, and I, maybe you want to ask questions or something at this point. I mean, I can go on and tell the entire story, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I can tell it in parts if that's better. No, that's fine. I mean, I guess keep going. I guess like, you know, I guess- to me, the most important or the most interesting now that you've survived, that was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and also I yell at Todd because he's one of my favorite human beings and I would have oh, been really upset you. if something happened. The feeling's mutual. Yeah. So I guess describe what they did, but I guess I was also like, at this point, are you still like, are you freaked out that you can't read or are you just like, I don't know what's happening? That's kind of like, like in the background at this yeah, point because yeah. that in the, in the emergency room is the first time where I think, oh God, like this is a life-threatening situation. Right. That's the first time it hits me. Right. Um, Kanishka's in there with me. Uh, Is he freaking out? Oh, he's definitely freaking yeah. out. Like, he's looking at the blood pressure monitor, which Lucia asked me recently, like, how high was your blood pressure when you were in there? And I was like, I don't know, but I feel like it was over 200 on mm -hmm. for the top number. Whoa. Um, whatever it was, everyone was freaking out. Everyone right. was like, oh, my God. And I remember Kanishka looked at it. And, of course, I can't read it, right? <laughs> oh, so you couldn't even read, like, numbers? No, no, I couldn't read. Okay. I, so I could not read any symbol like i could not decode any symbol that was written right. or okay. that was you know written on a piece of paper or you know Monitor. you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. a visual mm -hmm. um, symbol i couldn't decode anything mm -hmm. so numbers letters whatever okay. even like pictures drawn pictures and i'll get into that later mm -hmm. um, anyway so people are freaking out because your blood pressure is so high and yeah. this doctor comes in and says you're having brain surgery right 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 and they had I th they sent me for another scan and the, actually they sent me for that scan before the guy said that so okay came back from the second cat uh, cat scan and that was like a cat scan with contrast dye which i guess is more detailed and that's when he said okay you're gonna have a brain surgery and i was like what the f and then yeah finally they admit me so i go up and i go to the stroke unit of regent's hospital and i don't know if you've ever <laughs> been to the stroke unit mm -hmm. like it people in there uh the majority of the folks in there that i saw were like really debilitated debilitated like um, physically physically like they were just you know they yeah. were in the beds they couldn't maybe they didn't have full mobility 
they didn't have full cognitive function you know um basically what i'm saying is i was in the best condition of anybody of in the saw. stroke unit yeah, yeah mm-hmm. of people that i saw in fact like the i think it was the second night i was there someone came in who i don't know if they'd been in an accident or something like that but they were like thought this person was gonna die all night and all i heard was like people crying and oh. in the room next door and like i don't know what happened to this person i mean i know they survived the night but it was like a whole bunch of and i was like oh my god you know and and then my nurse would come come into my room and she I'd be like, hey. And she'd be like, I, I just need to take a little break. But I'd come in and talk to you. Oh, and I was, so I was kind of like a little bit of, a, yeah. you know, it was a break for, for the nurses yeah. on that floor. Anyway, and I, be, you know, we had a friendly relationship. I actually mm-hmm. am super, super thankful to the nurses who took care of me. They took great care of me and they were yeah, super yo, nice Yeah, shout out to me. nurses, man. Yeah, I'm telling totally. you. And my mom was a nurse and so, you know. All, almost all the women in my family um, mm. were nurses, and uh, so it is a noble profession for sure. But yeah, so once I got upstairs, then I had a neurologist come in, and I, okay. I can't remember his name right now, but he was really great. Like He was super nice. He took a real interest in my case because he thought it was interesting. In fact, he, was, mm. he wanted to write about it. Um, but it, it turned out he didn't. It was there was something about it that didn't work for him or something. Anyway, but but he you was can trying to write something someday. Right, right. Well, well, he was trying to figure out like what's what's wrong, you know, or what the situation is. And even in the scans that they'd taken, they they saw the blood, but they didn't right. see where it came from. So it's not like there was like some busted ve- vein, you know, right. a vessel in okay. my brain just sitting there that they could see. Mm. So they didn't still know why it happened. They assumed it was the high blood pressure, like a high blood pressure event. But he was also still trying to figure out, like, what's actually affected. So they did a lot of tests on me. You know, they mm-hmm. did tests like, you know, can and I stay And this is before in? surgery. They're just, like, trying to still try right, to figure right, out what's right. happening. Right, right. Well, okay. I, he also said, like, when I got up there, I was like, they told me I'm going to get surgery. Right. And he's like, don't listen to them downstairs. He's like, you're not going to get surgery. We're going to take this slow. We'll find out what's wrong. Okay. No one's made that decision yet. We got to find out what it is mm-hmm. yet. He said they get all excited downstairs. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thank God. So there, so no surgery oh, at this point. Okay. Um, they're just trying to figure out what's wrong. And so he would, you know, they do all kinds of tests. And the test that I remember the most is, like, he would just come in with, um, like, a little cartoon drawing. And he would be like, okay, what is this? And I would go, well, um, it's prickly. And it's in the desert. Okay. So you could, like, recognize some. And somewhere in your brain, you're yeah. like, I kind of know what this is. This is not a word. This is just a picture. Right, right, right. Yes, these are just pictures. And okay. I, I was like, it's in the desert, but I don't know what it is. And they go, oh, it's a cactus. And I'm like, oh, it's a cactus, effing cactus. So when he said, like, it's a cactus, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that like, came, connects. Yeah, I was okay. like, oh, okay. And then he would say, you know, what is this? And I would be like, I don't know. It's it's soft and it's light and birds have them. And they have birds? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and then they they flap them to fly? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, it's a feather. And I go, oh, it's a feather. Huh. And then he would do the same thing the next day, sometimes with the same pictures, and I still couldn't get it because mm. I I couldn't even remember from one day to the next, like well, what you know. What oh, I saw that yesterday. So, so but you had that, all these other words like you could describe it. You just I could speak think fine. Of like I can the word. I can okay. So I could speak. I had trouble accessing words, um, certain words like I would forget a word that I needed to be able to say something. So there was some effect to my ability to speak, but for the most part I could communicate mm-hmm. through speech. I wasn't slurring words. I wasn't, you know, mispronouncing words, not too much. There's probably a little bit of mispronouncing because like when I speak for me, I kind of see the words in my head. So um, that was what was really the problem for big long words. If I couldn't, spell them i can't see them in my head then i couldn't get them out of my brain is Mm. the way i described it to someone once is like i felt like i had a bag filled with words but every time i went down in to grab the words there was no handles for them so Mm. i would try to pull them out of the bag and i just couldn't pull them out like slip out okay i knew they were there and i could even see them in the bag but i just couldn't get them out of the bag to use them and that stayed for a long time i mean i would say probably only i mean still i still have times when i forget a word or i can't get a word 
And people say, oh, you're just getting old, you know, and it's like, well, it could be that, but also <laughs> I mean, it could stroke. be that. I was like <laughs> recently trying to think of a word and I really couldn't think of it. And I went with like antiseptic and mm-hmm. then like hours later, I'm like driving in my car. I'm like, sterile, sterile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's kind of like, what, it, what it was like. But imagine yeah. that was happening to you All like every 15 yeah, minutes yeah, or something yeah. like that. And it, you know, over time it became less often that it happened. Right. But yeah, that was what was happening. What was happening as far as reading, you know, like I just said, I couldn't decipher any symbols like letters or anything. Yeah. yeah but it so, sounded like even like pictorially you couldn't like no like you were looking at a cac- photo of a cactus and you couldn't be like That's no a cactus. i couldn't okay. do i couldn't do that uh-huh. so it was basically like if i'm seeing like i couldn't decipher symbols through sight okay when lucia finally got there so lucia is coming from new york right? right so lucia flies to chicago flight gets canceled so she rents a car and she drives from chicago and she finally gets there I think my parents were there mm. and also um, Kanishka and Susan are good friends were there. And oh, and my friend Chris, my friend Chris uh, uh, was there. Chris Smith was there with me too. And um, in fact, he was there during the day when a lot of other people had to leave or weren't there. He was there t- when I had the most serious procedure, which I'll talk about in a second. <clears throat> but when Lucia got there, I just remember we were all sitting there and uh, the doctor's in the room and he's like, you know, talking about this stuff. And Lucia said, hey, wait a minute, I want to try something. And they were like, the doctor's like, okay, what do you want to try? And she goes, let me, let me just read him something. So she got out her phone and she started to read Derrida to me. <laughs> and she's like, do you understand this? And I was like, yeah, that makes okay. sense. No, I, I recognize that. And I know yeah. that. And she's like, but what is it? What am I talking about? And I was like, you know, deconstruction and blah, blah, blah. And she's, oh, okay. and they were like, oh, well, if he hears, he can understand, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you can decipher um, language through auditory, auditory okay. which that can be a problem for someone too. So like the guy, the Senator from, um, from Philadelphia, Fetterman. Uh, Fetterman, that's what he has a problem with. Like he can probably read, but he can't decipher mm-hmm. auditory. So if you're oh, talking, right, he was asking for captions, right, or, right. Know, he can read, he but he can't do it. Yeah. So he has like sort of the opposite, opposite. of what okay. I had. The first night I was in the hospital, I couldn't say my ABCs. Like I, I was, I remember this was like, this was like my dark night of the soul, right? Like, so, I'm laying there. Everybody's gone home. I thought, well, my career's over. Like, I, I can, I can't do what I do anymore. I'll never mm-hmm. be able to do it again. I didn't really see any way around it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't even say my ABCs. And I spent like probably two hours that night just trying to say, like, would you start? And then oh, you don't be, even know. Yeah, like, I would where be to like, start. I couldn't do it. And I'd be like, I knew. I remembered the song, so I would just be like. And do that over and over again. And then eventually, like, an A came. I was like, oh, maybe A. And then so probably over the course of that night, I got about half of my ABCs in my head back. Mm. But I didn't know what sounds they made. I just knew how to say them. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. And in that morning, I called Olga. First thing in the morning, Olga's right. my, my was the chair of the department, so basically my boss. I called Olga, and I was like, Olga? I'm done. Aww. My career's over. I don't know what to do. I can't do my ABCs. I was telling you, I can't even say my ABCs. Oh, I was totally wow. panicking. That's freaky. Yeah, that's freaky. Yeah, and she was just so calm, and she was just like, "Okay, Todd, calm down." She's like, "We'll we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna whatever you need." She's like, "Maybe you'll need to take some time off, or maybe you'll need to do this, but you don't have to worry. You're gonna be able. There's you know we have procedures in place. Blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. She just calmed me down. And she seemed really on top of it. And most of all, she said, your career is not over. Don't panic. Mm-hmm. Your career is not over. This is not the end. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, okay. So that like really, really helped to calm me down. Because I really just thought like, what am I going to do now? Right. I, I Everything that I know is based off of like reading and writing and, you know, being able to get up in front of people and talk to them and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So the they were still trying to figure stuff out. They were trying to figure out if I was making improvement they still had a couple of other tests to do. They did this test where they inserted like a catheter in my like upper leg mm-hmm. and put it up into my brain mm-hmm. with a camera and also some tools on it. Mm-hmm. And they at that time they were like, we, what we think you have is this, I forget what it was called, but it's like this um, malformation of blood vessels in the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that can cause a leak. And they were like, if we get up there and we find that, we might be able to fix it 
with this catheter tool thing, we can do a couple yeah. snips or whatever. No, when my mom had her stroke, that's how they did it too. That how she they needed did? to have like a little coil inserted. Oh, yeah. To like stop the bleed, but they go up through the groin basically. Okay. Yeah, which yeah. was like incredible to me. Yeah. And I don't know if your mom like told you what your, it was like. like. Open, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she told you what it was like, but like I go into this room or, you know, I get wheeled into this room. Yeah. And there's all these people in there, and they're very young, which was kind of, I was like, oh, my God, these people are in their <laughs> like, 20s. Are they really qualified? <laughs> yeah, so what's going on here? All and, the interns. Um, I know. And, and um, guys like, okay, well, here's what we're going to do, and blah, 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 blah. Really nice, really, you know, they did a professional job. And he's like, okay, so when we get the catheter up into your brain, you're going to feel it like you're going to feel your face is going to get warm on the right side oh. of your head or your face, the face, your face will get warm on the left side. Mm. And I'm like, oh, OK. And uh, so they start they start the process and he's like, OK, we're in your brain now. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'm going to take some pictures. So it's going to get warm on the right side of your face. And it did like my mm. face is sort of heated up or whatever. And they did whatever they had to do. And then, you know, because they put this catheter in your like artery in your yeah. leg and he's like, okay, so, oh, and I'm also like naked from the, so like I have nothing on from the waist down because they had to go in there. They had to shave me and all this kind of horrible stuff. Anyway, so he's like, okay, I'm going to, we need to stop the, you know, stop or have it clot up. So stop. So I'm just going to like apply pressure to this entry point for like the next 15 minutes. Oh, wow. So like there's a dude just like, just wait, bearing down on my leg. And so we're just having a conversation. I'm like, hey, um, did you know that my favorite football team was just won? <laughs> And I watched the parade instead of going to the doctor. I did not say that. I said, hey, uh, what'd you see up there? Did you see anything? And he goes, uh, well, I mean, they're looking at it right now. We can't really talk to you about it. I'm like, yeah, I think my mom's is different because I can't remember whether she was sedated for it or not. But because they were like going in there just to like insert the coil. They knew what they were doing yeah. when they went in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mine, they didn't know what they were right. going They were find. like, this is like exploratory for you. Yeah. 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 And I kept on him though for the, during that fifteen minutes. I was like, "Oh, it's, come on, just tell me what." <laughs> and then finally, he's like, "Oh, you want to see it? Do you want to see the picture?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want to see the picture." And so he kind of turns this computer screen around. And he's like, "As far as I can tell, it looks normal." And I was like, "Okay." And then one of the other women in the room is like, "Hey, whatever this Dan or whatever." She's like, "Um, do you, we kind of need to look at that screen right now?" And he's like, "Oh, okay." And so he turns around. And then they put like these the best things in the hospital are these uh, heated blankets. So they put heated blanket on top of you, roll you back upstairs, and uh, so they still up, don't know like what's wrong. Nope, they don't know yeah. what's wrong. And the last thing they did to try to figure it out was um, MRI. And that was like the on the last day I was in the hospital. And the night before, my neurologist is like, we still haven't figured it out. We're going to try this MRI. And he's like, in the MRI, we'll be looking for a mass. So I just want you to know that that's a possibility. And I'm like, oh. So, like cancer, yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah, like brain cancer. Yeah. So that was really the night where I was like, I need to make peace with dying tonight. Mm. And... I think I did. I think I was like, I think I was able to sort of say like, hey, I'm, I was 47 when it happened. I tried to live a good life. You know, like that sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. I try to be a nice person. I think, I mean, there's lots of things I would love to still do and all that. But if I, ha- if I die, mm-hmm. okay, I can live with that. And I had to do that that night right, because because you're like I can, yeah. if i die i can live with that <laughs> yes i can not live you, you know what i mean <laughs> so when it when they did the mri the next day they you didn't find anything calm. oh yeah okay and i was i was not calm well i was calm but yeah but they didn't find anything and the neurologist basically ended up saying well we don't know what caused this and a lot of times that's the case mm. we know that it's not bleeding anymore we can't find out where the blood came from you could be at risk for strokes in the future but the longer you don't have another stroke the less that mm-hmm. risk is and the best thing you can do is to keep your blood pressure under control which right, i was gonna ask about that too. yeah okay that yeah. was kind of the big big thing yeah okay. yeah was to keep my blood pressure under control yeah. and i was keep already on mom. blood pressure medicine so yeah. really it was about keeping my stress down and uh so that's what i've been doing ever since but when i yeah when i left the hospital i could not read that i had an appointment with the speech pathologist who was gonna like help me with rehab and essentially like help me to read it they we did have like a occupational therapist who came in a few times and also like assessed my condition and suggested some apps and things like that that I could use to help me learn to read but essentially like yeah I mean essentially how I learned to read again was 
So my nieces, my brother and, and his wife, they had two daughters at the time. They have another son now, but they were both at the age when they were learning to read, especially the mm. older one, Emma, was learning to read. And uh, they had like a subscription to YouTube Kids or something like that. And so they just like gave me the login for that. So awesome. I was just like going on there and watching videos about, you know, like, you know, SH makes a sh- sound and the SH, whatever. So it's like phonics. I was, yeah, I yeah. was just doing phonics. That's all I was doing. Yeah. And just trying to relearn what sounds the letters make. Cause that's what it was. Like, as I was able to both learn and remember. Cause one time I remember Olga asked me one time, like, I said, I think I'm, I think I'm, you know, making progress, relearning or learning how to read. And she's like, are you learning or are you remembering? And I was like, well, that's a good question. I, I think it's a little bit of both. Right. But it, there's there's a lot of it that is just learning. Because I think as I have come to sort of think about and understand the process, I think, you know, there's a part of your brain that kind of stores words that in the English language, there's a lot of words that are difficult to sound out, right? Like they're, sometimes they call them sight words and, but they're not words that, they're words that are difficult that, that don't, you don't say them how they are spelled. And you kind of store, you memorize those words mm-hmm. over time and kind of store them. And I think for me, that store got destroyed. Mm-hmm. And I, and the doctor said, the neurologist was like, okay, part of your brain has been destroyed, has been, has died. Right. But it was only like, to reading, right? Because like mm-hmm. Lucia read you to read it, right? Right, <laughs> like right. You could like understand, that. right? Right. So it's just like it, it's like it depends like the where store was like in a different part of your right. brain. It depends on the location of where the brain damage occurs, right? right? So what he t- what he told me was that the brain damage occurred right at this intersection of reading comprehension and sight. So where those two connect, mm-hmm. which is why it was the only things that I saw that I couldn't understand rather right. than things that Just i hear, hear. Right. so if it had been in a different part of the brain where you know hearing and that right. were were the that's us i was like maybe it's like a combination of like remembering and learning just because i kind of yeah. feel like if you know if emma was like learning to read and she was giving to read it like maybe she could like sound it out right right she would have no idea what no she wouldn't understand is, well that's right? the thing like i didn't i didn't lose uh, i was really worried yeah that i lost like my store of knowledge right. you know like if you're a professor and you've spent like all this part of your all this, uh, this of your life, you know, remembering these things and storing right. stuff up, and you thought you lost that. That would be a huge loss. Right. I think it turned out that I did lose some of it. Okay. And I have had to kind of like Read you know like I'm a, I'm supposed to be an, I'm an expert in African American literature, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this in the years when, on the show. Like I do a lot of prep for the show because things that normally I would just be like oh blah 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 author blah 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 name title of book it was in that year whatever that stuff was mm. gone. I had to go back and like reconstruct that, and what I haven't reconstructed, I'm in, I'm still in the process right. of doing that. Okay, um, so like both and, so like some yeah. of the like memory was lost, and yes. like definitely the like being able to recognize like a sight symbol, yes, and like being able to connect that to a word. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it was. It but was. But anyway. Yeah. So YouTube Kids, shout out. Yeah. To yeah. YouTube thank you, YouTube Kids. kids. I mean every. <laughs> Everything out there, I was using everything that, that Emma was using, and she would send me what she, oh, I watched this video today, and I'd be like, yeah, oh, blah, 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 blah. That's sweet. Um, so we kind of, yeah, we kind of connected as we both learned to read together, and it took me about six months. Wow. And the, the other kind of amazing, maybe you'll say it's a dumb thing, is I was teaching one class that semester, so this is at the very beginning of the class. So I basically had... Right. One class with the students, I think, maybe two. Then I had a stroke. We canceled the class. So we're in like the second or third class. And I came back for the next class. So oh, I, wow. I was I got out of the hospital on Saturday. I went back to work on <gasps> Monday. Why? Um, I don't know. I think I was just afraid. I was oh, afraid to like not be there. Yeah. Mm. And it was like, yeah, I was just afraid. But Olga had said, like, I'll help you. And she came to class with me. I mean, I couldn't have done if I had more than one class. I only had right. one class. She came to class with me for every day for like, well, every day I was teaching for a couple of weeks mm. because I couldn't do the role and I couldn't write on the board mm. and I couldn't like, I couldn't do anything that involved reading. Mm. I could just. And you like, were listening to some of the books you were teaching on audio, right? Right. Well, and then I, I was teaching, it was a speculative black literature course. So, you know, like some of the books weren't on audiobook so people in my department 
recorded themselves reading the books Aww. out loud for me so that I could listen to them. Oh, go Todd's department. I, they were cool. super cool. Heather Bowman. I mean, there were people, you know, um, there were tons of people, you know, who helped me through this. But, I mean, Olga was the lead on everything. I right. mean, she organized it all. She made sure that um, I had everything that I needed. And I went back into the classroom and it was, and I, the first thing I came back, I sat down and I was like, okay, you guys, I need to tell you that I had a brain injury. I cannot read. And we, we talked about it. And like, I was like, are they gonna, cause if it was like 18 year old Todd, I'd be like, oh man, this is going to be a great semester. <laughs> Why? You right. can't even read. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually talked about how they could turn things in and how we could, you know, make the class still work. And they had a lot of ideas and suggestions. And so, Aww, yay, students. Yeah. So we went from there, and, and it was actually a really great semester. Mm. Um, and as I got better, I could, you know, I used all of the technology that was available, that already is available for people yeah. who have uh, low vision mm. or people, you know, various kinds of, you know, things about, um, you know, reading yeah. your screen to you and things like that. I used all that stuff. So people that I know who have low vision were like, hey, did you know that your iPhone, all you got to do is change this mm. setting and then you can have it read the screen to nice. you because I couldn't do anything. I couldn't read email. I couldn't send a text. Right. That was why Lucia texted you because I couldn't yeah. send texts. Yeah. I couldn't send texts for a couple of weeks until I realized, oh, I can do this by voice. Yeah. And that's when I became, got reconnected with everyone. Yeah. And just to. a historical note, February, 2020. And what happened in 2020, Todd? Oh, uh, February, 2020. And then March, 2020. Oh, then COVID. <laughs> yes. In fact, my so I was supposed to go see this speech pathologist and I went and he was great. I wish I could remember his name, but I went to see him two times. And on the second time, he was like, I'm sorry, I can't see you anymore. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, I've been called to the hospital for this COVID thing. Like everybody's getting called in. We have to prioritize that. He's like, when we're done, we'll start this up again. And of course, nobody knew that it yeah. was going to be, you know, years or whatever. So I only had the two appointments. Because you then I, had to like switch to being online for classes too. That's right. That's right. So, well, that's right. So that like, happened. Oh yeah, that happened after spring break for right, us. Right. So yeah. So we were in person until so like probably a month, a little more than a month after I yeah. got out of the hospital. Right. And then and then luckily Lucia came back because Lucia was saying, right. you know, oh, I'll, I'll just quit. I'll just quit and come back or I'll take leave or whatever. And I was like, I'm fine. I can deal with this. We figured out I can drive. I mean, because I couldn't read all the signs but i remember the shapes and stuff like oh, i could i could do well enough yeah. and plus i mostly ride my bike anyway so right. anyway so yeah that was that's it and then the whole then, other like then, <laughs> thing then, happening while you're having your own personal yeah, thing so okay. yeah so and then i started you know trying to you know learn to read again and put my life back together and it wasn't just learning to read but also you know like recovering some of that knowledge that was gone you know dealing with social stuff like I, I still have lots of trouble with people's names. That's mm -hmm. still, that's probably the one thing that has not come back. Mm. So I have people that I know really well. I sometimes can't recall things. Can't recall their name. Yeah. And um, that happens still a lot. Okay. Um, and it's embarrassing. And, you know, when people know, you know, it's cool. Right. But there's lots of people who don't know about it, and I'm just like... Now yeah. everybody will know. Yeah, well, I think it's good. <laughs> or whoever listens to our <clears throat> podcast. I guess, okay, so you learned to read by, like, kind of learning along with your niece. Also, I also did, like, what it really helped to read, have a book, the text, while I'm listening to it. Okay. So those times when I, when people had made the recordings for me or I was using yeah. a book, uh, audiobook, I always had the text in front of me, too. And at that time, could you, like... Could you recognize letters by that time? Yeah, like that came back. Of, okay. That came okay. the letters came back like pretty much in a few days. Okay. Okay. And then like, okay, what sounds the letters make? That came back, you know, week, week and a half. Okay. So you could like what so if you're like some somebody reading and you could like make out like, okay, driplet episode about like that was, so yeah, yeah, I was getting okay. there. Uh, the the problems that I would have, you know, is like I would be you know, a word that has like those, um, I'm trying to think of a, a word that has pH in the middle instead of two F's or something like that. Like, like amphibious. Or something yeah. Or like em emphasize or something like mm -hmm. that. I'd be like trying to spell it with F's or something. Or uh, so once I, it phonetically. Right. Yeah, yeah. So once I got the phonetic sounds then it was like, okay, but what 
combinations of letters make this in right. particular words. In this word, it's PH. In this word, it's two Fs. <laughs> right. And, you know, this is also just like an artifact of like English. Yeah, right? yeah, just yeah. Like which a, is a super like, difficult yeah. language, right? Yeah. So I was, I was having a real difficult time once I could write again, um, recalling again. words, yeah. spelling them correctly. Right. If you got a text from me or an email from me back then, it was riddled with spelling errors because right. I didn't know how to spell. Right. So even once I so-called learned how to read again, Right. Couldn't spell. Which I think is so interesting, right? Like if you learn, like if you were a Spanish speaker and you like, you know, ha the same thing happened mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Like once you learned the sounds, mm -hmm. you can like read everything and you'd know how to spell everything, right? Because it's like a phonetic language. Mm -hmm. English is like a mix, right? It's like some of it is phonetic and some of it's not. Yeah. Uh, which is also funny because actually speaking of phonics, we like got called out by the last author that we did an episode on because we kind of read a lot of the names <laughs> very did. phonetically. Yes. And she was like, yeah, no, y'all got everything wrong. Including her name. <laughs> Including her name. <laughs> anyway. I was so. a little bit embarrassed about that, but she was very nice. She was great She was it. extremely great nice about, about that. So Leonie Ross, thank you so much. You mm -hmm. were great. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I think that is also like an artifact of like learning a this particular language that we happen to all speak and read, right? And so right. I think that's like interesting. So like you could like spell, but it's just like, why would you know that it's a pH rather right. than an F? And so, okay. it, yeah, okay. it was like learning all that stuff again. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So just for the last bit, and again, please don't take this as any endorsement of any particular literacy methods or anything like that, but you got really interested in listening to this podcast, which is why we sort of started yes. talking about doing this episode and it's called sold a story and it, do you want to kind of talk about it a little bit and what it? Yeah. Why Can you, you remind you me of what the lady's name is? I can't remember her name right now. Um, Start talking and okay. I will look it up. Um, anyway. So I first heard a, just a standalone radio documentary with this reporter and I can't remember her name, but anyway, she was doing this uh, show about Emily Hanford. Emily Hanford. Okay, she was doing this show about how, about students learning to read and how the way that students had been taught to read, many students have been taught to read, and perhaps are still being taught to read, was actually. And the thing that really um, resonated for me was she was basically arguing that this particular pedagog pedagogical approach, which is called like um, three scan method, or sometimes it's called reading recovery. Um, they're kind of related to each other that essentially to teach students to read using those methods was to teach them to read the way that someone who's dys dyslexic reads. And that was the way that I was reading, like had to read as I was learning how to read better, which is essentially that you have to like memorize every word that is possible, which means that your reading is extremely slow mm. because you're, you're, you're not just like sounding out or decoding a word. You're going like, what word would fit here? And you're thinking through your store of memorized words and trying them. Mm -hmm. Is it this? No. Is it this? Uh, no. Huh? Is it this? No. Is it this? No. And this explains, you know, like in that, um, I think in the original documentary, she talked about a woman who herself was dyslexic and her daughter was dyslexic. And she basically was, she saw how her daughter was learning to teach and it, or learning to read and was alarmed by it because that was the way that she read as a person who's dyslexic. And she was very, very smart, actually got through high school really, really well, did well, but took an inordinate amount of time to do it. Yeah. And then when she got to college, that was where she ran into problems because she couldn't take as much time to read things as she had in high school. Like there was just too much being asked of her. So, you know, it wasn't that she wasn't intelligent or something. It's like the reading took a long time because of the way her brain worked. And then when she saw that her daughter was being like taught that way to read, she freaked out, right? And so... This really caught my attention because I was thinking of myself as being, you know, having stroke induced dyslexia, which is, I think I still have this mm. because a lot of times when I look, try to decode words or look at a page, I see things out of order or the words, the letters don't make sense or I misread a word mm. um, and put another word in that's kind of like that word or something like that. And not not serious as as other people who have dyslexia. I mean, I know people have dyslexia, and it's like it is serious disability and is very difficult to get around. But it, it just I don't know. This just resonated with me. And then the show really talked about how do we learn to read, and basically sort of argued that well, we don't really know how people right. learn to read for a long time until maybe pretty recently, and that human beings are basically wired to auditorily like right. we can pick up language really easily when that's we're like universal that's yeah. the universal thing like if you're a child you can pick up languages really easily mm -hmm. but learning to read reading is like a more recent activity for our brain 
And so we're not really wired to do it. And so how to teach how to do it has been debated for many years. And still is debated. There's a lot of criticisms of like the podcast and kind of. Yes. you know, the method that not everybody was as, <laughs> as positive. I was like, Oh my God, this explains everything. But right. not everybody thinks. But that I also about feel like this is the problem. Like once, once we're like trying to find like one solution, right. Cause the thing with like, okay, not teaching phonics and teaching this like method that actually did work for some kids. Right. So like, you know, right. whatever, right. 40% of the kids couldn't read, but like 60% of them could. Right. right? And they could like, whatever. Right. Or well, they she had, was like, arguing from, that those, they had help from home or, you know, or that they like just that. sort of figured it out on their own. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay. Right. So then it's like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm like annoyed always sometimes because I think in education, people are always looking for like that one solution. Right. And I'm like, and this gets to kind of one of the things we're talking about. It's like, it kind of depends on like the, what do we mean by reading? Right. Because I'm right. like, you know, when I travel abroad, like I am doing the kind of like the three clues thing. Right. I'm mm-hmm. trying to like get approximate meaning. Right. Because it doesn't really matter so much that I get like the exact word or the exact meaning. Right. Or like I'm just trying to like navigate the world around me and being like, OK, is this a bank or a bathroom? Right. <laughs> right? right. Like I'm using just like. Don't use the bathroom in the bank. <laughs> right. And like, I mean, you know, just like trying to figure out like contextual clues and like that makes sense to me. Right. But like when I'm trying to read more precisely, right, right it's like, yeah, like decoding and right, right memor- like having a store of words, all of that matters. Right, right. It's all those things together, right, right? Right, Yeah, I think, so yeah, I mean, that, I think you're absolutely right. This is why I brought it up with you. Yeah. And I brought it up with a bunch of people, well, not a bunch, a handful of people who are teachers, you know, right. who I know think about or have read about or whatever, teaching, reading right. at the level of elementary or, or secondary school. And uh, just wanted to sort of see what they thought. And, and you're the person that I know, and I just thought, I just thought you'd be interested mm-hmm. in it. And um, I know you talked to other people about it too, which, which has really brought some kind of breath to my kind of thinking about it as well. Um, but I think, you know, for me, it still makes sense, this idea that she argues, which I know is people are criticizing, but this idea that we might try to teach some things by teaching the characteristics of somebody who knows how to do that thing as opposed to teaching how to do that thing. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> um, right. And, and that really resonated with me because I was trying to think how to teach myself how to read. And I already had the thing that looks like when you know how to read and you enjoy reading. Like I already had that. You had the motivation. Right, yeah. yeah. I already like curl up on the couch with a right. book every night or whatever, but I couldn't decode the words. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing that I, people feel like is talk about, like is missing from like all of this, like talk about the science of reading, mm-hmm. right? Is like the motivation part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, and I think um, I was talking to my comrade, Brian Lisinski, he was sort of talking about sort of right this idea of like right after right the civil war right the kind of uh, rates that you saw of like increase in like african-americans like Mm -hmm. education rates including literacy Mm -hmm. were like super high and they were doing this under like threat of like people burning down their schoolhouses and teachers being like harmed and potentially lynched right Right. but it was just the fact that they saw that as a key to like freedom Mm -hmm. Right. And they were like super motivated. Right. Versus like kids now. It's like, what are you reading for? Like to pass a task. Mm-hmm. Right. To like, mm-hmm. Right. So I just feel like for you, I think like it's like such an essential part of who you are. Right, like right. you were super motivated to like right. learn how to read. Reading. And I think, you know, like the proponents of um, the three scanning, you know, method and some of those other methods, they wanted students to feel that motivation. Right. right? Like they wanted students to really become readers in the way that they were in the way that right. they understood it and wanted students to experience it. And I totally understand that. But I am interested in the possibility that like sometimes what we want for students and how we go about trying to make that happen could actually backfire. And then you could have students who basically can't read and because of that reason, hate reading and hate school in general. Mm -hmm. And it just got me started thinking like, if this were true, I mean, I guess it is true that, you know, what is it? 30, only 30% of students at the third grade, at third grade level can, can read at level. level. Right. That's a bad. <laughs> I don't, I mean, there's lots of factors right. I'm sure that play into that, but if that were true and if that sort of goes up the line so that, you know, I'm getting students at the college level and we talk about this, you know, colleagues talk about this all the time. They're like, students don't seem to want to read anymore. Like they just will refuse to read. Like you will give, we get shorter and shorter and shorter reading assignments and they're just like, nope, not going to do that. And yeah. And I guess it also then comes back to like, I mean, you used a lot of like tools, right? To be able to like, quote unquote, understand what was happening, even though you weren't reading. So like, are we cool with our students just like using a text to audio app 
to like listen to Dorita <laughs> rather than I, like reading it, right? I mean, I think it's just also just question. like, I think we have investments, right? As like faculty and yes. as like of a particular age, right? That we're like, no, you need to read and you need to read in this way that I read and you need to find romantic, the idea of like curling up with a book. Yeah. And it's like, is it, you know, so is the point like I want them to like learn the ideas or is it that I, I would, really I would settle for like... that. <laughs> I'd be good with that. Right. right. So, but, yeah. yeah. And maybe like we don't know thing. what are the sort of alternative ways of getting the ideas right. that are leg that aren't legible to us, you know? Right. right. Yeah. So it's a complicated question. Um, I just started to think about like, you know, it's just something I never thought about. And, and to be honest, this whole thing, I learned to read at some point. Like I have vague memories of like sitting in when a, a kindergarten. Kid, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah in a kindergarten class or something. And like as a group, doing phonics, phonics or yeah. something but i i don't really remember not knowing how to read it's Same. been that much of my life you know just Agreed. knowing how to read and then to sort of like have to stop and think about wait how does this actually work mm -hmm. how do you actually learn what is it, what am i actually doing mm -hmm. because it was like this magical mystical <laughs> mysterious thing that so just, just happened how to do. <laughs> i would pick up you know a, a lot of equiano talk the talking book right like you just he, he was like what are they doing it's magic they just pick this book up and it speaks right yeah. and that was kind of like my experience of reading but this this brain injury stopped at all and now i have to think about oh wait what is actually reading what does it take to really understand this stuff? Like, how is this functioning? How does it work? Oh, wait, I had all these words in my head and now they're gone. And how do you get those back? And, you know, like just, you know, the thing that Lucia did that day was like really eye opening. And then one time I was with the uh, the speech pathologist and I had passed this. Like he'd, he'd given me a test of spelling words or something like that. He'd be like, spell this and spell that. And I, I did, I crushed it that day. And I was like, yay. And he goes, well, let me try this. And then he started spelling words. And I was like, I don't know what that is. He'd be like, um, you know, uh, C-A-T. And I'd be like, um. so that was a problem we didn't know that I had. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's better now. <laughs> but like every time you thought you had it under control, there was this other aspect of it. That was a part of your whole taking in of information and understanding and comprehending, you know, yeah. through language, which I just never thought about before. Changed the way that I thought about the whole process, changed the way I thought about my students, like the classroom. I used to be the kind of person who was like, I'm going to give you 1,000 pages to read. And if you can't read it, too bad. You're a bad student or whatever. And it just made me think like, oh, my God, probably many of my students, if not most of my students, have issues with reading, even if it's not the decoding, there, there's any kind of things that it could be, you know, and I need to like take that into account and be sympathetic towards that and try to offer them different ways of dealing with that, you know, and not think of just because a student can't, doesn't read the way that I want them to, or even, you know, maybe they, they can't yet write an essay the way I want them to, or something like that. That doesn't make them a bad student necessarily. We have to think about, what it is we really want. The question you were asking before, do I really just want them to understand this idea? If, if that's what I want, maybe it's okay if they do it by doing a comic, maybe it's okay if they do it by doing an infographic or, you know, something else. Right. Okay. So I've really tried to turn in that direction hmm. after this has happened. I'm not, it, it hasn't been the transformation of my teaching that I kind of thought it was going to be because I'm a creature of habit and I've sort of <laughs> gone backwards a little bit, but I'm, I'm still trying to be aware of it and try to, you know, be a better teacher because this has happened to me. Hmm. And maybe we'll end there, but also that is one of the reasons you're one of my favorite human beings, Todd. Oh, thank you. We, you know, I think it's, yeah, maybe not, not transformative, but you're still thinking about it and thinking about, right, how it kind of changed your perspective of yourself, but mm -hmm. also what does that, that mean for you as a teacher? So. Yeah, I ain't never going to forget it, and I'll go to the doctor sooner if anything happens Oh, my happens gosh, to me please. <laughs> Even if your stupid football team wins. And <laughs> okay, they I actually did not again. know that they part of the story. <laughs> so <laughs> now more things to yell at Todd about. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts, like on, you know, if you remembered how you learned to read as a kid or if there's, you've had any other similar experiences like Todd and had to like relearn to read, we'd love to kind of know what you think. And like, if you've been following all of the controversy about the science of reading, we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Can I say one more thing? Yes. <clears throat> I just want to say that, you know, this is the one, you know, sort of major health issue I've had in my life. And it has been really, really, really helpful to talk about it mm -hmm. with people, to 
tell it as a story to like have a narrative of my illness and my recovery. I don't want to keep it a secret. And, you know, maybe I haven't done it as much as I maybe should have with trying to connect with other people who've had stroke and, you know, trying to, you know, encourage them and let them know that they can get get better, that it does get better. Um, but I just, in generally speaking, if you've had a health issue and you feel comfortable talking about it with other people, I just feel like that helps. And if you can't talk about it with other people, find a counselor, find someone that you can talk it through um, with. And I think that will really help you. So. Yeah. And any health condition, but maybe especially one if it sort of had to change kind of mm-hmm. how you think of yourself and your yes. job and kind of yes. the work that you do in the world. Yes. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Todd, for sharing your story. And, you know, as always, whatever, find our podcast and places where you listen to podcasts. <laughs> and we will be back to our books soon. And I think the one you'll have heard before this one comes out will be our episode on Giovanni's room. And then this one and then the next book that we're doing is, is the sleeping car porter. Sleeping car porter. Yes. Awesome. All right. I thanks, remember y'all. that. <laughs> Yay. Good job, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks y'all for listening. Bye. Bye. This has been a special driplet recorded by Anita and I in St. Paul. As always, our show is written, produced, and directed by Anita Chikatur, Crystal Moten, and me, the All Spoilers Collective. Please check out the show notes for this episode at thedrippingspoilers.com. We'll include some links there for Emily Hanford's Soul to Story and the American Stroke Association, among other things. If you're wondering about me, I am still getting better every day more than three years after my stroke. Special thanks to all my friends and family who have helped me in my recovery. Next up for the show is the episode on The Sleeping Car Porter, which we've already recorded, and we'll release that one at the end of July for you. Until then, enjoy the summer, and take care of yourselves and each other.